The latest hurdle to the rollout of New York's effort to set up a recreational marketplace for marijuana is a lawsuit filed in June, which takes aim at regulations used to implement the adult use of marijuana in the state. For more on the legal challenges and what it could mean for recreational and medical marijuana consumption, as well as the sale in New York, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Joe Schaefer, an associate with Lippus Mathias, where he is the co-leader of the firm's cannabis practice team. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Thanks for having me, David. So first of all, who are the, I guess, anti-marijuana players that have come together to challenge some of the regulations issued by the State Office of Cannabis Management? And what exactly are the regulations that they're targeting? There are two companies or organizations. The names are the Cannabis Impact Prevention Coalition and Cannabis Industry Victims Seeking Justice, as well as a number of individual plaintiffs who are residents and as the complaint often points out taxpayers in the state of New York who they they claim to have been damaged by either the medical cannabis program or the current adult use program that the state is and and the Office of Cannabis Management are building. Um, And they, they take aim at, you know, the foundational regulations concerning the medical program that were passed in what I believe was February of this year, as well as the packaging, labeling, marketing and advertising regulations uh, that that govern the adult use program. So to be clear, at least as I read the complaint, and, and I will qualify, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but I have spent some time with this with these papers. Um, this is not aimed at the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, which was our state's adult use legalization bill, nor does it take aim at the law that was the Compassionate Care Act that was passed in July of 2014, which legalized medical cannabis in the state of New York. And I guess you're making that distinction because while New York has legalized both medical and recreational marijuana, its legality at the federal level is something of a different story, right? That's correct. Yeah. And and look, the, the complaint is is littered with references to the fact that cannabis remains a Schedule One substance under the Controlled Substance Act, which means, you know, in layman's terms, it's the worst possible drug out there. There are no potential med- medical benefits seen. And, you know, as a result, you know, whether it's in the Safe Banking Act or 280E with accounting, it's the reason why so many state legal cannabis businesses have trouble uh, on a federal scale, whether it's with banking or accounting or, or certain tax issues. So this complaint certainly highlights the, the fact that while legal at the state level, both medicinally and for adult use in New York State, uh, cannabis remains a Schedule One substance under the Controlled Substances Act. Well, then getting back to the lawsuit, what is the problem with the regulations as they were drafted or in terms of the power that uh, regulators cite to draft them that is prompting this lawsuit? Right. So I'm going to break it down again, David, and, and hopefully I do a good job with this. And if I get confusing, please, please jump in. But it, again, it they center on two separate elements of the New York State cannabis program. So there are three just for background. We have our medical program, which is exactly what it sounds like. We have our cannabinoid hemp program. Think, you know, the the uprising of hemp and CBD products in the state that we saw from 2019 and on. And then the adult use program, which the state is currently building as we see 
cultivators, processors, and, and now dispensaries coming online. So this takes aim at two of those segments. The first is the medical segment and what the gist of, of it's a 60 page complaint. So, you know, hopefully I can keep it relatively concise, but that, you know, there have been misleading, com misleading claims about the medical benefits of cannabis uh, that but that may stand and, and as you know the petitioners believe will stand contrary to evidence that cannabis is not necessarily as medically helpful and I'm not a doctor so forgive me if I get the terminology incorrect and so that's within the medical program that you know cannabis is not this uh, magic substance that it, it has been allegedly represented to be by the state and the cannabis lobby, according to the petitioners here, and that with respect to the adult use program, that the way that the regulations are written without respect for, at least in the petitioner's mind, um, without respect to the Controlled Substances Act and uh, the potential for abuse is high such that, you know, both the medical regulations as published and then the packaging, labeling, marketing, and advertising regulations should be repealed altogether and nullified under a number of constitutional law precepts. Well, how does the fact that New York currently allows for the sale and regulation of tobacco products, alcohol, and even guns impact this conversation? Do those areas of sales speak to this situation in any way, shape, or form? For example, is that something that attorneys for the state might point to, or is that a whole different conversation? I, I can't speak to what, so by the way, the, the answer has not been filed, nor right. has a motion to dismiss. So we're, you and I are, we're on the cutting edge here. <laughs> um, but, you know, it remains to be seen how the state will respond to that. But I, I don't think that you're off in pointing to these, we'll call them ancillary vice industries, for lack of a better term. I hope I'm allowed to say that. There are certainly challenges that, you know, when you read about the, the potentially negative uh, or adverse health effects of cannabis, you could insert, at least from my reading, you could insert alcohol, you could insert tobacco. And, and ultimately, you know, with respect to at least the adult use portion of this, the adult use program is limited to only those individuals over 21, same as our, our alcohol laws, that you make an affirmative choice to put a certain substance in your body and, and notwithstanding the medical claims um, you know, I, I think that that would definitely be an, an interesting analogy to be drawn uh, in, in, an, in an answer or a motion to dismiss or as this case maybe progresses. So we've seen, in particular, in the Finger Lakes that lawsuits can hold up the opening of marijuana retailers. Is this something that could potentially slow down either the marijuana marketplaces that have yet to open from opening or stop the current marketplace from being operation or impact the medical side of things uh, before it's finally adjudicated? Until it's finally adjudicated, David, and I'll have to, you know, uh, double check my civil procedure or, you know, the number of attorneys in our state can do so for me. Um, but until a, a final or at least a preliminary injunction is given, this is not going to uproot anything. And in fact, there were two two new dispensaries came online. Uh, I think actually one in in Rensselaer and another yep. one in Vestal. So you know today was a good day for the capital region where you sit. 
Um, and, you know, I sit in Buffalo and it's our understanding that Western New York dispensaries are supposed to come online in the next couple of weeks. And I don't see this case impacting it the way that, you know, for our last discussion, the Verisite case had a direct impact on whether or not these businesses could open and come online because it originally enjoined five. And then obviously the one region when the injunction was trimmed. Um, at the second circuit level to just apply to the Finger Lake. So what I, and, and maybe I'm just not reading the complaint the, the correct way, and, and I don't necessarily see the aim, but in repealing the regulations or in requesting a repeal of the regulations, it doesn't repeal the law, the Compassionate Care Act and the MRTA that ultimately legalized this. The regulations, as, as I've described uh, you know, previously are, they're really the, the meat on the bones, whereas the law is the skeleton, the regulations are really what allows the industry to understand like the day-to-day -day operations. What do the applications look like? What are the regulatory compliance hoops that you have to jump through? So if successful, it could certainly be a hurdle, but it doesn't take care of repealing the entire program. And it would just cause regulators to, you know, potentially make certain adjustments to regulations to get them to be in compliance if this, you know, they're found to be, um, you know, non-compliant pursuant to the allegations in the complaint. So as we've referred to, this is not the only lawsuit that's been filed in the wake of state lawmakers and then Governor Andrew Cuomo approving the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act in 2021. So are there any ongoing cases that you're particularly interested in right now, or has the field been largely cleared in recent weeks and months? So uh, kind of, and I don't mean that to, to be like your typical lawyer's answer. So the Verisite case was settled a few weeks back, which allowed Office of Cannabis Management and the Cannabis Control Board to award the first licenses in the Finger Lake. So, you know, the, the 300 conditional adult use retail dispensary licenses have been given out in, in every, every economic development region of the state. So we are going to see those dispensaries coming online, which is, which is great news. And we also heard recently that the dormitory authority for the state of New York, DASNY, they got the $150 million funding that they were waiting on. So we're going to see a lot of build outs and hopefully that really accelerates dispensary. So the dispensary issue is off the table, at least as far as the conditional program is that there is another lawsuit that was filed, I want to say about a month, maybe a month and a half ago, um, which challenges OCM's fundamental right to have created the card license saying that while the conditional cultivators and conditional processor licenses are fine because they were done through an amendment to the MRTA. The card license was created by regulation only and therefore was impermissible rulemaking. But what's interesting about that complaint is they don't say, hey, strike card altogether. They say, allow the registered organizations, i.e. the medical dispensaries to come online. And also you have to open up pursuant to the very plain terms of the MRTA all dispensary or what I like to call permanent dispensary licenses for the general public. The issue with that is they don't have regulations informing that, but those regulations should be published and finalized sometime between now and the end of, of August with you know those applications coming online around Labor Day. So yes, there are legal challenges, but the state is, is finally, I think, progressing in a good way where we can say that we have momentum and your your everyday retail cannabis consumer is going to find a lot more outlets to interact with the plant, go to dispensaries, see your cultivators through these 
the farmers market programs that are coming online, the, the New York Cannabis Growers Showcase. So, and there are a couple of legal challenges out there, but I think most of them, other than this case, are really to advance the the program forward. Well, are there any legal minefields that you see potentially out there that New York has yet to hit, maybe because we've avoided them due to the way we've rolled this out or because we're just not that far into the process? Or, or do you feel like there is a point at which the system could be in clear sailing? Yeah, I think we're getting to that. I, I, David, I'm not sure if I'm smart enough to say, to, to, to read the tea leaves. Um, frankly, I, I think that you know, the, the challenges to the conditional market, specifically Verisite, was definitely a gut punch to the state. Um, but ultimately, it, it was resolved and we see ourselves in the state and, and you know, the clients I, I'm lucky enough to work with. We're, we're starting to see the momentum build, like I said before. So to me, it seems like, you know, there will certainly always be legal challenges and I don't anticipate the the filings to stop per se. But in terms of, you know, whether they will actually be roadblocks uh, for the actual for the for the rollout of the industry. And I could certainly be wrong about this, but I think that as as the conditional period of the adult use cannabis market comes to a close, we should be you know up and rolling with the permanent market applications and licenses you know towards the back half of the of this year, back quarter of this year. And that's where I think we're we're really going to start to see that the industry that the MRTA envisioned uh, in March of 2021. Well, we've been speaking with Joe Schaefer. He's from the Lippus Matthias firm, where he is the co-leader of their cannabis practice team. Joe, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, David. Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.